Disclaimer, the views and opinions and content expressed on this podcast is informational only, not a substitute for seeking a medical professional for your medical care and treatment. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back. This is Shafan Holiday. I am the host of this podcast, Help Me Holiday. And today I will be talking about a condition called gastroesophageal reflux disease. A short, uh, the short term is GERD. Uh, we are in the series of gastrointestinal uh, conditions and um, anything related to that in your GI tract. So today I'm covering GERD because the prior two uh, podcasts I covered was involving the stomach and the colon. GERD is a condition that happens actually in these two parts of your uh, gastrointestinal system. So I wanted to cover GERD. Um, And then on my next podcast, I'm going to cover a topic called H. pylora infection that also is pretty um, prominent in this part of the uh, stomach area. So with GERD, what we see, this uh, gastroesophageal reflux, also called acid reflux, it occurs when the stomach contents back up into the esophagus and or the mouth. Occasional reflux is normal and can happen in healthy infant children and adults, most most often after eating a large meal. Most episodes are brief and do not cause bothersome symptoms or complications. However, when you have GERD, you experience um, symptoms that can damage the esophagus as a result of the acid reflux. So these symptoms include heartburn, regurgitation, difficulty, or pain with swallowing. So um, I want to briefly go over some of the things that happen when this acid reflux is happening. All right, so what happens in acid reflux and GERD? So when you eat, food is carried from your mouth to your stomach through the esophagus, a tube-like structure that is approximately about 10 inches long um, and one inch wide. So that's just a little, uh, you know, information about the uh, structure of the esophagus. So the esophagus is made of tissue and muscle layers, and they expand and they contract. Um, to help food to go down into the stomach. So this wave-like movement is what we call peristalsis, and it's just a a way for the uh, food to travel down your food pipe that I keep calling the esophagus into the stomach. So at the lower end of your esophagus, where it connects to the stomach, um, there's a circular ring of muscle called the lower esophageal, esophageal sphincter. So after you swallow... This particular sphincter relaxes and it opens to allow food to enter your stomach where it can mix with acids and help with digestion. So this, uh, this particular sphincter, as it contracts, it shuts, it closes to prevent the food from backing up. But when it does not close properly, that acid will back up back into the esophagus. So this particular structure The LES, or the lower esophageal sphincter, is very important for opening and closing and the prevention of that acid from going back up into the esophagus, okay? So, if you have a problem with this sphincter and it does not close properly, 
Uh, it allows liquid into the stomach, and it washes back into the esophagus. This happens occasionally to people, sometimes, but it's not supposed to happen all the time. And um, it can happen during um, shortly after you eat a meal. Uh, so, so sometimes you'll have the symptoms, sometimes you will not. But this, not, this should not happen on a continuous basis, okay? Uh, because one thing about it, anything that's in the stomach, all of the food that's up into the stomach now have become very acidic or very acidy. And um, if it starts to creep back into your esophagus, that acid is going to start causing irritation to the lining in the esophagus, okay? So uh, what are some of the risk factors that we see? What p puts people at increased risk of having GERD? Um, there's, uh, there's certain type of risk that involve the structure uh, of the anatomy of your body, and sometimes it can be from other things. So there's a hiatus hernia. You can have a hernia. Uh, this is a condition in which part of the upper stomach pushes up through the diaphragm. Well, what is the diaphragm? It's a large, flat muscle at the base of the lungs. So this diaphragm has an opening for the esophagus to pass through before it joins with the stomach. So if there is a problem around here, that hernia, which is part of the stomach, it, it gets squeezes up through this hole. This is when you have that condition, the hiatus hernial, okay? Then you can have a person who's obese or overweight. They're at increased risk of a GERD. Um, most, you know, what's partially understood is that it's because of the increase, uh, the abdomen being so wide or so large, it causes a lot of pressure around the abdominal area. And we're, you know, that's the... Uh, the thought processes of why obesity, people who are obese have a higher risk of having GERD symptoms. Um, the same, print, uh, the same uh, philosophy or thought process with pregnancy. A lot of women who are pregnant, they experience acid reflux during preg pregnancy. Um, however, once they have the baby, uh, these, um, the, the, the symptoms subside. Um, there's also lifestyle factors and medications. Some medications include, um, you can have uh, certain medications that put you at a uh, higher risk. Um, they, uh, they can be acid medications, like we talked about before, the NSAIDs. They can also be um, medications that can cause irritation to the, um, the stomach lining. You also have foods that include fatty foods, you can have chocolate, peppermint, certain um, caffeines, alcohol, cigarette smoking. All of these can cause acid reflux and GERD. So what are some of the symptoms that we see with GERD? Um, heartburn, like I talked about earlier. Heartburn feels like a burning sensation in the center of your chest. Uh, this can sometimes spread to your throat. And most often it happens after you eat. There's also regurgitation. This is when the stomach contents, uh, acid is mixed with bits of undigested food. It flows and backs up into your mouth or your throat. Um, other symptoms of GERD can include stomach pain, pain in the upper part of your belly, chest pain, uh, difficulty swallowing where food gets stuck in your esophagus or pain on swallowing. 
Uh, you can have persistent laryngitis or hoarseness due to the acid irritating your vocal cords. You can have persistent cough, uh, sore throat or a cough. You can have a sense of a lump in your throat. You can even be... You can even have nausea or vomiting. Over time, GERD can lead to complications. And these include problems related to uh, the, the esophagus being damaged as well as other issues. So when should you seek help for this ongoing problem? Well, like I said, if it's ongoing, you definitely should seek help. But also, if you're having difficulty or, or pain with swallowing, if it feels like feels like food is getting stuck in your throat, please be examined. Uh, if you have an appetite or loss of weight without trying, you may have an, you may be having chest pain, you feel like you're choking, signs of bleeding in your um, GI tract, such as blood in your vomit or your stool, uh, black stools, coffee ground colored stools, if you're having persistent vomiting, um, or if you have any new stomach pain, or if you're over the age of 60. So um, how do we diagnose um, this GERD, uh, gastroesophageal reflux disease? So once you are presented to your provider's office or you happen to come into the emergency room, uh, some of the, you know, we, we base our diagnosis on symptoms. And once again, the classic symptoms are the heartburn, the regurgitation, um, you know, uh, if you have uh, had to take medications in the past that actually help uh, with the acid suppression, um, we will be able to base our diagnosis on that. We also um, can um, ask you, you know, sometimes if we can't base it just based on those questions or your history, we will have you uh, take uh, upper endoscopy. So, as I said before in the past, uh, during this lecture, we have upper endoscopies that are done uh, to allow us to ac actually look directly into the gastrointestinal tract. And once again, this is a small, flexible tube. It's passed into the esophagus, the stomach, and the small intestine. The tube has a light source and a camera, and it displays and it magnifies images on the monitor. So, we're able to see the inside of your gut, okay, and see what may be causing your reflux, all right. So um, also there are studies that can be done to test the amount of pH or the acidity of uh, acid that's in your stomach. We can test that and, and, and you know, also look at the esophageal lining to see if uh, the acid levels are too high. Um there's also um, other methods that can be used. A, a lot of times, if you got to have an extensive workup, you will be um, uh, referred to a gastroenterologist who can have this stuff taken um, done for you. So what are some of the complications? So most people with GERD will not develop serious complications. However, if they don't get treatment, these uh, the complications can turn out to be very serious. Okay, so uh, what can happen is a condition called erosive esophagitis. Uh, this is when the esophageal lining is damaged as a result of exposure to stomach acid. This can lead to erosions or ulcers, which may bleed. Bleeding from ulcers is not always visible, but it can be detected with uh, stool tests. 
And just to share a personal uh, story, one of my, my aunts passed away maybe 10 years ago. She presented um, to her primary provider for almost a year with complaints of abdominal pain, heartburn, regurgitation. She was given almost a year straight medications to help with the symptoms. However, instead of her being evaluated further, because this, this should not be where a person is just getting treatment. with This is called Band-Aid therapy. You're getting some provider giving you acid medications to help with the acid, but not finding out what's causing it. And as a result, when she was diagnosed, she had advanced um, stomach cancer. And of course, you know, it had already spread and uh, her life expectancy, she lived probably less than two months after uh, being uh, diagnosed. She was given chemotherapy, but she did not live. Okay. So, uh, this is a serious, this can lead to a serious condition. So anytime you have burning, ongoing burning, heartburn, this has been going on for weeks or even months, it, 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 it warrants workup, okay, with uh, uh, diagnostic tests such as endoscopies, all right? And you should be following with a uh, gastroenterologist. So there's also a condition called esophageal stricture, which can can be caused from the damage from the acid. Um, that damage from the acid can cause the esophagus to scar up and it can narrow it, causing a partial blockage or stricture that can cause food or pills to get stuck in your esophagus. The narrowing is, is caused by scar tissue that develops as a result of ulcers that repeatedly damage and then heal in the esophagus. That's why this GERD should be evaluated. There's also a condition called Barrett's esophagus. Uh, this occurs when the normal cells that line the lower esophagus called squamous cells. They're replaced by a different cell type called intestinal cells. That's a lot of patholo uh, pathology, but all you need to know is that normal cell, when normal cells change to different cells, that's a problem. So this process usually results from repeated damage to the esophageal lining. So long-standing GERD is the most common cause of this. So when these intestinal cells have a small risk of transforming into cancer cells, this is worrisome because these intestinal cells can start to become malignant, cancerous. All right? So as a result, people with Barrett's esophagitis are advised to have periodic upper endoscopies to monitor for early warning signs of cancer. So if you've been ever told that you have Barrett's esophagus, uh, that's letting you know your intestinal cells, I mean, that your, esophag your esophagus cells, the squamous cells that's in the esophagus, have changed into esophagus. In, uh, intestinal cells. They changed into a different type of cell, which are put you more at risk for having cancer to develop, okay? So there's also lung and throat problems. If stomach acid backs up into the throat, this can cause inflammation of the, your vocal cords. It can cause you to have a sore throat or a ho horse vo uh, or a hoarse voice. The acid can also be inhaled into the lungs and cause pneumonia or asthma symptoms. So over time, the acid in the lungs can lead to permanent lung damage. You can also have problems with your teeth because 
if you repeatedly have this acid coming up from the bottom of your uh, stomach into your esophagus and uh, pushing its way up into your mouth and your throat, you're going to have dental problems, teeth problems. So your teeth are going to erode because of that acid. Very important. So what's the treatment? Treatment is depending on what's causing the symptoms. Uh, we do advise lifestyle changes. Certain lifestyle and dietary changes can often help relieve symptoms of GERD. If you have mild symptoms, you can um, try, um, you know, uh, doing certain things that a provider can tell you. Eat small foods. Make sure you sit up uh, at night, 30 minutes after you eat. Making sure you lose some weight if you're overweight. Um, try to control that. Um, like I said before, raising the head of your bed, maybe six to eight inches up um, after eating a meal. Avoiding foods that trigger symptoms uh, because you have foods like fatty foods that can um, actually trigger uh, your acid reflux, including beverages. Like I told you before, you can be drinking caffeine, sodas that can trigger, okay? Quitting smoking if you're a smoker. This also, the saliva helps to neutralize reflux acid. So smoking reduces the amount of saliva in your mouth and throat. So this smoking also lowers the pressure in the lower uh, esophageal sphincter, that, that whole uh, structure that we talked about that needs to be opened and closed properly to, to uh, stop the acid from traveling back up. So with smoking, that actually affects that particular sphincter, lowering the pressure and putting you more at risk for that sphincter not closing when it needs to after you have um, eaten. So um, be mindful of that. Smoking is um, a factor and can be uh, a cause of your acid reflux. Avoiding late-night meals, laying down with a full stomach may increase the risk of acid reflux. So make sure you're, um, you know, not eating. You try to eat two to three hours before you go to bed. Wearing loose, comfortable clothing uh, could be helpful. Um, with mild symptoms, we typically will give you um, over-the-counter medication um, and stress lifestyle changes. However, this is mild symptoms. This should not be, you should not be getting antacids for symptoms that's been going on for months. You should not. You should have that investigated. So with mild symptoms, we can give you the antacids like I named before in the prior um, series. You can give Tums, Maalox, we'll do that. They neutralize stomach acid for a short period of time. Uh, they start working quickly. They neutralize um, the acids for approximately 30 to 60 minutes. Okay, so um, like I said before, Tums, Maalox, Gascone, you know, those are very good medications. You got histamine receptor agonists um, that reduce the production of acid in the stomach. Um, these type of medications we give more for mo more moderate to severe symptoms. Uh, we can give these medications the brand names are Pepsid, Zantac. You'll see them uh, in your pharmacies, Tagamet. Uh, th that's what we would give if you have a more moderate to severe symptoms, okay? But for these people who are having serious symptoms that's ongoing, you're supposed to be on a PPI, which is a proton pump inhibitor. Uh, these medications, they're the most effective medications for reducing stomach acid. Um, they um, are your Nexiums, your Privacid, your Prilosec, your uh, Protonics. Um, 
these PPIs you can get over the counter. However, uh, if your symptoms are continuous and they're going on for two, three months, you need to be checked out. Um, these are the best medications on the market. They're for the most serious symptoms. However, they should not be used um, as a means for long term. Uh, after taking these medications for two, two months, three months, stop taking them and get fi- and find out what else is happening. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, if symptoms do not appear that they're improving, always, always have that followed up with your primary care provider. Okay. So, um, and lastly, their surgical treatment. Um, this is this would be decided by a gastroenterologist who will definitely be the one to decide if you need this particular procedure, um, especially if, it, if you need to have your hernia repaired, if that's what's causing the problem, or if it's a problem with that sphincter. They have procedures that they can do to um, address those. So hopefully this information has been very helpful. I hope that you join me again for my upcoming um, topics uh, regarding the GI system. And I hope this uh, answered a lot of information for you. Uh, Once again, if you do not have a primary provider, please, um, you can always listen to this podcast or you can reach out to me on social media. But please um, try to make sure you have, you are situated with a provider um, on a routine basis. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this content, be sure to like, share, and subscribe to Help Me Holiday on our social media platform or email me with questions at helpmeholiday at gmail.com.